Desperado, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, the economic data we aren't getting and why Fraggle Rock matters in 2020. But first, Trump versus Twitter, part two. So on yesterday's show, we discussed President Trump's burgeoning feud with Twitter, which is really becoming the lover he just can't quit. The quick backstory here is that Trump tweeted out some misinformation about mail-in balloting. Twitter added a fact check to those tweets, and Trump argued that the fact check amounted to censorship and threatened to, quote, close down Twitter. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey responded late last night, again via Twitter, by saying that Trump's messages violated the company's existing policies on misinformation specific to voting in elections, since it could have, in theory, caused some voters to believe they'll receive mail-in ballots without first registering, which wouldn't happen. And then, for good measure, Mark Zuckerberg did a fairly unusual cable news parade, telling this to CNBC. We've been pretty clear on what I think the right approach is, which is that I don't think that Facebook or internet platforms in general should be arbiters of truth. Okay, fast forward to now. Trump is not moving to, quote, close down Twitter, but he is expected to issue an executive order related to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which governs social media platforms. In short, Section 230 is what stops folks from suing social media platforms for content posted there. It technically predates companies like Facebook and Twitter because it was originally designed to protect online publishers from things written in article comments, back when article comments were still a thing. And for years now, there has been talk on both sides of the political aisle about amending Section 230 to meet the current internet age. In 20 seconds, we will dig deeper into Section 230 and Trump's efforts to change it with Axios Tech Policy reporter Margaret Harding McGill. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Tech Policy reporter Margaret Harding McGill. Let's start here with this executive order, which you got a draft copy of, which as of this taping is not public yet. What exactly does it say? The order says that federal regulators need to rethink the protections for social media companies when it comes to removing content posted by their users. When you say removing content, so 230, and tell me I'm wrong about this, I was under the impression at least is about, let's use the term manipulating or amending or editing content, right? Because it was originally designed to deal with blog comments or comments on websites, pre-social media. Is it simply about removing, say, a tweet or what Twitter did yesterday, putting this fact check on the tweet stands, but then they added a little something to it? I think it does go beyond just removing content. It gives the platforms the ability to really just moderate what appears on their platforms without facing legal liability. So the idea is like they're not responsible for content that their users post, but they also have the authority to moderate that as they see fit because it's their platform. This executive order, obviously, this is kind of Trump reacting to what happened over the last couple of days. Does it have any teeth? Because Section 230 ultimately is Congress could do something about this. What Trump is doing, does it have any force of law behind it? I think you could hit the nail on the head there. This is really something that Congress needs to take action on. This really does, to me, seem more like political messaging than it does designed to deliver real policy results. And that's because while he's directing his agencies to look into this in different ways, they don't really have a strong hook for action. And I think ultimately they will come back if they take this on and say, 
we need Congress to change this law if you want us to enforce it differently. There's the Trump Twitter divide, but there's also, as we've been learning over the last 24 hours, the Twitter Facebook divide, specifically Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. Dorsey kind of described his decisions last night around Trump's tweets and talked about how this was specifically around election issues and misinformation about the act of voting. Now, Zuckerberg kind of took issue with that this morning. He said, you know, it's not our job to basically be the truth police or the arbiter of truth, I think is the way he said it. But hasn't Facebook done something pretty similar, particularly when it's come to coronavirus health information? Facebook has come out more strongly on moderating content around coronavirus misinformation than they have other areas because they say it applies with their policy of this could cause imminent harm to someone. And so, yeah, it's all varying degrees of how much moderation each of these platforms want to do. But that's kind of what 230 allows for. This is ultimately a congressional issue. Is there any reason to believe that Congress right now in this session, which already is kind of fraught with all sorts of problems because of the pandemic, is going to take up this issue? Or is this a tempest in a teapot that'll be forgotten when the next thing happens? So I think the interesting thing about this debate is that you do have politicians, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle who feel like 230 needs an update, needs some work. But I cannot see Democrats getting on board with changing 230 based on complaints about anti-conservative bias. There is a bipartisan bill in the Senate sponsored by Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal, among others, that would tweak 230 based on whether or not companies have best practices on content moderation. When you say have best practices, in other words, you mean they can't just content moderate on whim or seeming whim from the outside. They have to have established, published rules and then follow those rules. Is that the argument? Basically, that they have to earn their 230 protections, the Earn It Act, and they have to do so by following some guidelines that would be created by a commission headed by Attorney General Bill Barr. That's an interesting leader for the commission. Can I ask one kind of broader question, which is, you know, I've seen this argument actually on Twitter over the last couple of days that 230 obviously is about shielding from liability. That's what it is, right? If I write something mean about you on Twitter or something like that, you can't sue Twitter over that or I can't sue Twitter over that. And there's been this thing that's been said, well, look, Facebook and Twitter, they've got a lot of money. They can defend themselves from these lawsuits. But I'm curious, it also would apply to any new social media company, right? If somebody actually wanted to start something to take on Twitter or supplant Facebook someday in the future, it would be a bigger deal for them, correct? Because they wouldn't have the money to defend themselves. Yeah, and I think that's one of the strongest arguments that you hear from the tech industry when it comes to why changes to 230 could be particularly fraught for the entire online ecosystem. Reddit in particular has been very vocal about, hey, we would not have the money to defend ourselves against these lawsuits if they come up. So please look out for the little guy when you're thinking about how to police Facebook and Google and Twitter. Margaret, last question for you. And I asked Kara Swisher this yesterday under a kind of different context, which is, so Trump's going to put out his EO today. Obviously, it is directly in response to Twitter putting a fact check on one of his tweets. Do you have any reason to believe, particularly given what Jack Dorsey tweeted about last night, that Twitter is going to reverse course when it comes to putting these fact checks on Trump tweets specifically about elections? In other words, is Trump going to actually scare them straight or is he not? What's your gut? This is a good question. I feel like the biggest tech companies have already been dancing around this and have been very hesitant for exactly this reason. So maybe it could make them even more reticent in the future to take any kind of action against Trump. Margaret McGill of Axios, thank you very much for joining us. All right, thank you. My final two, right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. 
Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners, including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two, and first up is the economy. It's terrible. I mean, we already knew that, but today we got some stark new numbers. First, the overall economy shrunk by an annualized 5% in the first quarter, which runs through March, a figure worse than originally estimated and the biggest quarterly decline since 2008. We also learned that another 2.1 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week. But the biggest piece of data might be the data we're not getting. The White House reportedly has decided not to publish updated economic numbers this summer, citing economic volatility. As the Washington Post reports, quote, the White House is supposed to unveil a federal budget proposal every February and then typically provides a mid-session review in July or August with updated projections on economic trends such as unemployment, inflation and economic growth. Apparently, when it comes to the economy in the White House, it is a see no evil, hear no evil strategy. And finally, Apple's streaming TV service has quietly added 96 episodes of Fraggle Rock. The old Jim Henson puppet musical show that originally aired between 1983 and 1987. This makes synergistic sense, given that Apple TV Plus plans to soon reboot the show, but also signals the company's shifting strategy around streaming content. Remember, Apple TV Plus launched with all original programming, no reruns. This stood in stark contrast to the Disney Plus launch, which leveraged old Disney, Star Wars, Simpsons, and Marvel content, plus yesterday's HBO Max launch, which included everything from Game of Thrones to Friends. But Apple well, now it's buying old content. Sure, it's old content tied to new content, but old content nonetheless. And sounds like an acknowledgement by Tim Cook that when it comes to streaming, libraries matter. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Beef Brisket Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast. <laughs>